It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to a brand new season of the Manchester United Redcast. We've got a new team behind us. We've got made some transfers as well. We'll be introducing you to one of our summer signings very, very shortly. But it's a brand new season for Ollie's Reds. And it started with a 4-0 win over Chelsea. What a win it was. Let's introduce you to our new signing. He is now saying he's a massive Reds fan. He also happens to be related to me, which is even better. I'm Aaron Paul, by the way. I was on it last season, if you ever listened. Uh, Nav, 4-0 against Chelsea. Rashford with two, Martial, and the mascot got one as well. <laughs> yeah, fantastic start to the season, uh, Aaron. Um, wonderful to see. Lots of uh, highlights for me. I thought um, great to see pace throughout the team. Wonderful to see a fullback that can actually make a tackle and uh, a centre-back that can head. What more can you ask for? Yeah, he looked good on the ball as well, uh, did uh, Harry Maguire. There was a, a deft touch to take it away from, from from one of the Chelsea forwards. But, you know, we'll be looking in depth at our signings. But overall, as a team performance, I, I felt quite on edge watching watching United. It's as if I don't sort of trust them. You know, I, I'm, I, I sat there yesterday watching them and... You 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 see them on the ball and you're like, yeah, you know, the final ball just seemed to be lacking at some points. But defensively, we actually looked half decent. No, you're right. I think um personally speaking, it's it's probably the most solid we've looked since Rio and Vidic were patrolling the back line. So I was delighted with that. Um there seemed to be a sense of calm at the back, which I cannot remember seeing in years. Um there were no rush tackles. Everyone played competently. Maguire seemed to make a huge difference around organising that defence. The line looked secure and solid. It it didn't feel too threatening. And I know Chelsea had their chances. They hit the woodwork a couple of times. De Gea made a couple of half-decent saves. But genuinely, um, the back line was, was really solid throughout. So de- delighted to see that. Yeah, definitely. Looking at the goal scorers, two for Rashford. The, the the penalty was brilliant, but the second finish was absolutely fantastic. Reminds me of Nani against City about 
five, six, seven years ago, where uh, it was the same game that actually Rooney scored. Uh, Rooney scored that overhead kick in. Um, he, he brought the ball down from the sky and just hit it. And and the finish was so, so good. It just took it away from the keeper. And the keeper was sort of uh, a bit sort of wrong foot. But what a brilliant finish uh, by Marcus Rashford, showing he can do it up front as well as Martial. No, you're right. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest issues I find with Rashford is the fact that he has this brilliant ability of getting into positions. He's got the power, he's got pace, but his composure is generally poor. There are, there are too many times he just reminds me of, of Danny Welbeck, frankly. But, you know, to see that, I'm sure will give him a lot of confidence. He really took it well, as you said. The control was great. The finish was perfect. But I, I think... Um, you know, the spot from Pogba to play that pass, oh, you know, I, I, I've watched that back several times. I mean, you know, Rashford, we know he's got the pace and you just know that if defences are going to play as high as that Chelsea defence did at Old Trafford, you're asking for trouble with, with Rashford in that kind of form. So it was great to see, great spot. And as you said, the control, the finish, absolutely perfect. You know, I really hope that this gives him that confidence just to just to keep that that bit of calmness in front of goal because i think with a bit of composure this could be a huge season for rashford and he's going to need it you know he's he's going to need it he's the main man we're paying him as the main man now so he really needs to step up and and really end all the question marks about him and really show everyone the kind of player that we know he can be that Pass by Pogba, though. Oh my, what a ball! I mean, you just saw it, and and the way he flighted it, and just the vision was excellent. But again, there were some parts of him yesterday that just—I don't know. I don't know if he cut a disappointed figure, a frustrated figure, but he certainly frustrated me for parts of it. You know, I think he played well. Then again, you know, I think the team as well—it was a team performance. There wasn't any. Any, any real, you know, standout individual performance. It was a solid team result. One of them ones where it felt sort of sometimes like a bit of an away performance, you know, because we were sitting on the counter and we were allowing them so much space, playing so deep in the second half. I mean, it was unreal how deep we were. We had all our men back in, in, in our own half and letting Chelsea just come onto us, bang, to spring them on the counter. But it felt like a real team performance. What did you make of Pogba? Yeah, I, I agree. I think Pogba, first half especially, was incredibly frustrating. Um, he always wants to take a touch too much. He always wants to try and hit that first-time ball. He wants to play that Hollywood pass too often. And mm. and it just doesn't work in the Premier League. You've got to have a measure of control. I still think, when I look at that side, that's the one area that gives me that concern. I don't think we have a single midfielder that can truly control the tempo of the game. You know, we don't possess um, an individual like a Scholes or a Tony Cruz, someone that can take the pace out of a game when required, but equally just control and hold the ball. Um, I, I think, it, you know, for Pogba, it, it was a real Jekyll and Hyde performance. In the first half, he could have easily been responsible for giving away a couple of yeah. goals the way he was losing possession. Um, he has, you know, uh, he has that annoying habit of just holding onto that ball for a few seconds too long and getting caught out. And I think over the course of the season, uh, better sides than Chelsea will make him pay for those sort of mistakes. So you're right. I think it was, as a, as a team, it was a really effective performance. I think it was built upon the defence and it was a real counter-attacking performance, which was unusual to see, but in a way, you know, reminded me of a, a mid-90s United performance when we had 
out-and-out pace with the likes of Konchelskis and Sharp racing down the wing. So it, it was it was wonderful to see. Yeah, it was. I mean, we were talking earlier about the game. We, we, we had a little chat. Um, and there's two players who, you know, two ex-United players who do really well in that midfield. Yes, they're just sort of not shore it up, but just add something else. One of them would have been Daly Blim. One of them would have been Ander Herrera for me. I'm, obviously, you pulled up the points that, um, you know, Herrera was consistently inconsistent if you like for me i loved him i I can't i can't i will not have a bad word said about him i just loved him so much i don't know if it was whether it was because he was the ultimate shithouse or or what it was but hey i loved him daily blind again was brought into playing that holding midfield position and obviously with the defensive situation we had under lvg he ended up playing uh, the left side of central defense and, and Mourinho binned him out but you know i just the lack of midfield depth really worries me Absolutely. I, I, I think that's the one mistake um, that United made in the transfer window. Uh, I think they, they did well to stick to their guns and, and wait for their main targets to come available. So it was obvious that Oli wanted Maguire and Wan-Bissaka. Uh, so they took their time to secure the right people. In terms of midfield, um, whilst I miss Ander Herrera, I do think he would have made a side uh, like Sunday. Uh, for me, when I when I look at the the length of time he's he stayed at United and what he achieved, I think unfortunately it's just a case of he looked good in what has been a very average midfield for United in the last five years. So yes, he's been one of our better players, but for me, I don't think he ever hit that top level standard consistently enough to 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 really warrant his place. And and I'll be honest, I, I was quite surprised to see him to go to PSG. I do wonder where they'll accommodate him because I, I think for them he will be a bit part player. Um, He's going to be like Rabio. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I can't see him getting in ahead of the likes of Verratti, for example. And, mm. uh, and you know, you know what PSG are like. If it isn't working, they'll, they'll move again in January and, and bring in another two midfielders. Um, so he, he, he probably won't get the time to perform it. But um, I, I do hope that United look at that midfield uh, position because uh, I look at our options right now, you know, Matic couldn't make the starting lineup. And, and if anyone who saw him in pre-season, really you'd wonder why he's anywhere near the squad at the moment. Um, McTominay has got promise. I think I'm expecting big things from him, but whether he's ready this season to really take it on and make that position his own, I don't know. And as for Pereira, well, I think he's got all the tools to be a great midfielder other than a brain. He's got stamina. He's got a great touch. He showed how good his right foot is with that cross for Martial. But I just don't see it. I just think he 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 either needs education or retraining. He he seems to either play behind play or in front of play. He never seems to be in the right time, you know, right place at the right time. So he does give me concerns. And then, of course, we have the, the curious case of Fred, you know, a £50 million midfielder that frankly, has looked nothing like it in, in the performances that I've seen of him. He's such a United signing, isn't he, Fred? He's such a United <laughs> signing. Typical United signing. One of them wants £50 million. And, and, you know, anywhere else, he'd actually do well. And watch, he'll end up at Inter Milan soon enough. Inter <laughs> Milan, I find Inter and AC are the only two clubs stupid enough to, to buy our rejects. First, it was Everton. Now, it'll be Inter and um, now be into an AC. Although I've seen these uh, these comments online now about how Lukaku scored four on his debut with basically the equivalent of playing, you know, sort of Skelmersdale 
or, or someone <laughs> from like the Vanarama North, you know. But um, James Garner as well. I'm really looking forward to seeing him. And, you know, we were talking about the, the Europa League earlier on um, when we had a chat. And I think we'll see the likes of Garner and Chong and Gomez and Greenwood really feature heavily in the Europa League, especially in the group stages where you're playing, you know, that sort of those random teams from 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 far-flung corners of Europe, you know. And I, I just I just really wonder about Garner if, if he is going to be someone like McTominay who we're going to see actually break into the first team. He's got so much promise, but again, there's we just don't know. No, you're right. And then the only way we find out is to try these things. I just think it is, it's a tough enough learning curve for any 18-year-old. But an 18-year-old at United with the expectation, um, I think that's an immense challenge. I do hope they get minutes. And I hope that you know we get some tolerance towards these players because there will be mistakes. But that's the price of development. Um, you know, we have to develop some of this talent. I think for too long in recent years, the conveyor belt has simply developed players that have gone on to make first-team careers elsewhere. We, we just simply haven't seen them break through at United. So it would be great to see, you know, two or three at once break through. But then you look statistically, it's very unlikely. You don't, you just don't see um, things such as a class of 92 reoccurring. Quite often, that you know, that, that's a, that's a once-in-a-generation thing. Having said that, um, the players you've mentioned, obviously, Chong, Gomez, Garner, you know, I think that they've all got opportunities this year. Um, Oli's been really clear at making sure that the pathway exists to the first team. We've got the Europa League, which, you know, gives some good opportunities home and away to get decent experience. We've got the Carabao Cup and and also, and, you know, oh, you we'll may have seen... be out of that first round, don't worry. So third round, yeah. as we get to, we'll be out, don't worry. <laughs> but there's, there's also the uh, the much maligned EFL Cup, which United have uh, entered an under-23 side for this year. Yeah, very true, very true. Well, if there's one transfer room I want to put to bed now, uh, I can officially do it now. Wesley Schneider will not be signing for Manchester United because he's tonight retired from football. <laughs> Finally, it's done, it's over. But, but surely we must be in for Gaetan. Yeah, exactly. Nicholas Gaetan. We, we've got to be in for him. See, we, we've lost out on Schneider. 35 years old. He's decided he can't be bothered to wait for Ed Woodward to come back from Australia, wherever he was, back in 2013, to come and Plus sign him. Yeah. Well, it's opened up in midfield for him now as well. Exactly. That's the worst thing. That is the worst thing. Um, just looking back at the Chelsea game as well, anything else you can take from it? Obviously, Dan James, you know, I, I was shouting, shouting for him to come on, you know, bring Dan James on, bring him on. I really wanted to see him open up his legs a bit against, you know, against that Chelsea battle, and especially against Azpilicueta, who looked quite poised, who's usually quite a, a solid defender, Azpilicueta, you yeah, know, he's, yeah. he's been one of the most consistent defenders in the last five, six years since he signed under Rafa Benitez at Chelsea, and, you know, for, for two goals, you know, yesterday, he was undone, um, and, and, yeah, I really want to see James come on. And, and, you know, there you go. He scored his goal. I thought with the first sort of dummy he took when, when the ball came into him that, you know, he was going to fluff it. But he, he stayed strong. He finished. Don't get me wrong, it got deflection. But you need a bit of luck. Oh, absolutely. He, he earned his luck. It was a great run in there. Great spot again from um, Pogba to uh, pick him out. Wonderful to see. I, I think he could be a real impact player. Nobody's going to enjoy coming up against that pace. And I... I'm sure the stat exists somewhere, but I'd be interested to see how many times he was fouled in that game. You know, um, he obviously drew Kante into one, which got him a yellow. Do you imagine 
him coming on against defences in the last 20 minutes of a game, especially up against fullbacks who are on a yellow, he could wreak absolute havoc. I think he he could be a, you know, a real surprise package in the Premier League. Everyone knows his name now. Everyone knows he's got pace. But dealing with that pace is another thing because Chelsea just, just didn't seem to be prepared um, to be able to contain him. Uh, so I do think there's, a, there's a, again, a great player in there. If we can develop his end product, his ability to cross off two feet, you know, he could be unbelievable. But yeah, wonderful to see a player like that. The other thing I would have to say that uh, really impressed me in terms of United at the weekend is, uh, and I don't know, I haven't seen as much coverage on it, but the body language. I think that the players visibly looked happy, trudging off. You mm. look at the way they celebrated with um, James. And, you know, there are other factors on that. We, we know the story in terms of um, the tragedy that uh, befell James before yeah. um, his move. But look at the reaction of the rest of the players there. And that, to me, just suggests that the mood in the camp is really positive. You know, I take it back to start of the season last season. 3-2 away at Brighton. Players looked miserable. Mourinho was already moaning about not having signed a centre-back. He was already lowering expectations by saying we're not going to compete. Uh, you know, it's just a world of difference. And I do think that that mental side of the game plays a massive part, especially with the side Ollie? of the game. Is that Ollie? Because Ollie's such a positive person. You see him, you know, in the press conferences, even if he's, you know, talking about something he doesn't talk about, he talks about it with a smile on his face. Obviously, you know, we know him as the baby face assassin. And, you know, I remember, you know, always watching him as a kid and, you know, this guy always had a smile on his face. And, you know, is that because of him and, and the, you know, sort of the spirit he brings to the club? Was it because Jose was effectively miserable? What, what What's changed? I, I think it's a combination of those two factors. Um, I think Oli is, an, you know, is an optimist. I think he does put a smile on people's faces. I think he's got them bought into what the plan and what the project is. I think he's got a good young coaching setup. Obviously, you've got feeling in there with that level of experience, but Carrick, McKenna, again, good young coaches, coaches that will instill new ideas. Look, I think Mourinho, for, for, for all the criticism he takes, is clearly an excellent coach. You know, he you can't fault Mourinho's record of success. But I just know what the post-match conference with Mourinho would have been like. Can you ever imagine Mourinho saying, we were lucky to be 1-0 up at half-time? Mm. You know, he would, he would have told us that that was his tactics, his plan was to lure him in. You know, everything had to revolve around Mourinho. And that, for me, is just a killer. He, you know, in bad times, it's great to have a manager that can deflect some of the blame from the team. But the problem with Mourinho is he wanted to claim everything. He wanted to claim every success of the team. You know, this is a guy that that includes the, the charity shield as part of a domestic treble. You know, nothing, uh, you know, nothing happens by chance. Uh, I do think Oli has created a good mood. I think that mood is rubbing off on the players. I think if we can get some consistency in the early weeks and don't suffer any major setbacks, then this group will really grow. Um, you know, I look at maybe, you know, Ferguson's, I think it was his second or his third side, the the, the side that had the, you know, the young Ronaldo and, and yeah. Rooney in. That kick-started from, you know, beating Wigan in a League Cup final. Oh, five out six, yeah. You know, fantastic. The, the confidence it gave those players, the mood it generated, 
that lifted that side up to go on and become possibly one of his greatest teams. The, you know, the funny thing is that see, like we look at right now, we're we're sitting there talking about how we've got no depth in midfield. We're struggling, you know. Up top, you worry if there's an injury to Martial, an injury to, to to Rashford. You're looking at a Sanchez if he stays, you know, coming back in. That season, we had no strikers because we had Wayne Rooney. He was leading on his own, and Louis Saha with glass knees. Solskjaer wow. was injured. Smith was injured until we played Roma in the Champions yeah. League. So that was April. Solskjaer was injured for large parts. Saha, again, in and out of the team, had injuries constantly, and he suffered from that lack of confidence. I remember we played Celtic in the Champions League, and he missed a penalty at Parkhead in like the 90th minute or something. Um, yeah. and, and Rooney led the line in his own. Don't get me wrong, they brought in Larson on loan, but I just wonder if we can draw any comparisons, because back then, even in midfield, you look at it, you know, we had Giggs, Ronaldo, Scholes, Carrick, Park, Fletcher, and 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 sort of Chris Eagles and Kieran Richardson lurking around as well. You know, we had the likes of John O'Shea making the odd appearance in midfield. Yeah. But again, what we had was Ferguson. He gave people the belief that they could do anything. Mm. And and that goes a hell of a long way. And uh, if if Ollie and Co can reproduce that mental state within the United dressing room, within the United squad, it, I think it will go a very, very long way. Um, I do think that the players, uh, you know, were under a bit of a straitjacket under Mourinho, which is crazy to say when we think back to the times under LVG where, you know, sideways passing, not moving the ball forward, system was dictated to. I I almost feel sorry for anyone in the squad that had to go through those managerial changes, you know. Then they get to Mourinho, who, again, was just had this so much discipline about how things must be done. He just seemed to suck the joy out of that squad. Um, but as we say, you know, little things, looking at that body language, um, you know, if you look at some of the post-match interviews as well, just look at the way, look at how happy people like Rashford look. You know, last season, he looked dour. He looked like he had the, mm. you know, the problems of the world weighing upon his mind. He looked like it was all too much for him, leading the line for United. He just looked like a man who wasn't sure of his role in the team. Um, given that you had Lukaku, who was untouchable in Mourinho's eyes. But it feels like everyone's got an opportunity. You know, who would have thought that opening game of the season, Matic can't make the starting lineup? Yeah. You know, I cannot imagine that under Mourinho, he would have dropped a player like Matic. He would have started. Yeah. He would have started 100%. Yeah, Matic would have started. Of course he would have. Um, and, you know, it does seem that no one is untouchable. Um, you know, Oli seems to be prepared to give people a go if they put the effort in. And I, uh, love, I love seeing Smalling and Jones not in the squad. I know it's sad to say. And, and you know, we're going to get onto the, the fact that we've got seven centre-backs in the next sort of section. But, um, you know, not seeing Jones and Smalling in the squad, seeing Twan Zabo on the bench, I love this guy. I watch a lot of championship football. You know, someone popped up on my Twitter the other day and said, you know, how can you be sure he's ready for lots, sort of like an aerial bombardment? I was like, pal, if you watch the championship, Watch your teams like your Millwalls and, you know, your Wiggins and stuff and go and watch a Route 1 football they play. This guy is ready. He is absolutely ready. In the same way Dan James is, he is ready. He looks absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it's been a long time coming. I think people have been watching him coming up through the ranks at um, United. Really, really strong young player. He, he's got a lot about him. He's got physicality. He's got pace. And now he's had two seasons playing at a decent level in the championship, which 
you know, it's a very, very physical league, as you said. You know, you there are some good standard players in the championship. So, absolutely, I, I think he's ready. And and again, yeah, to see him take the place of those two on the bench speaks volumes about what he must be doing behind the scenes to impress Oli. Definitely. We're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly. It's the Manchester United Redcast. Yep, we're back for another season. This is the Manchester United Redcast looking back at that 4-0 win over Chelsea. But we're going to move on and talk transfers now because it's been a very, very frustrating summer if you're a United fan like us. You know, we've been sitting down. Um, I know here in the UK we have Sky Sports News and every single thing that happens seems to be breaking news. Plus, you know, the, the, the industry experts and the, the people in the know on Twitter seem to be just raising your blood pressure a little bit more. Um, United linked with a whole host of players all summer. Of course, they complete the signing of Dan James first for a fee of £18 million, rising to 21, we believe. Up next came Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Uh, I think it was exactly, um, uh, I think it was a few weeks afterwards. I think the distance between Wan-Bissaka and Maguire was something like five weeks. But Wan-Bissaka arrived for £50 million after ages, what seemed like ages negotiations with Crystal Palace and then what genuinely took ages was the arrival of Harry Maguire maybe a year on well a year on since Jose wanted him but maybe a year not too late but too late for Ed Woodward in sense of negotiations it's taken him a long time to sort this out and uh, finally Oli got his man a week before the season started a lot of talk about midfielders the fact that Bruno Fernandes is someone that United fans desperately wanted Spurs wanted him Liverpool fans thought they had him as well uh, he looked like he was all set to be coming to United. Everyone on social media and in the papers thought that Bruno Fernandes would be wearing the red of Manchester United. But no, he's not. Neither is Paolo Dybala or Mario Mandzukic or Sean Longstaff. Um, Nav, let's talk about the transfer sure. window. Let's look at uh, the ins and outs. Let me start, actually. Let's start let, Let's start on the ins. I want to focus on the outs as well because Oli made a point about how there will be certain players who are not here next season. Um, and there's pretty much every, everyone is still there. The likes of Darmian, who is still picking up a wage. Rojo's still there. He rejected a move to Everton on the final day. But let's look at the ins. Three in, James, Maguire and Wan-Bissaka. Are they enough? Should we have gone for Bruno? Should we have been looking for a midfielder? Should we have been looking for a forward? Okay, well, I think, first of all, in terms of the ins, delighted with the ins. And certainly the early evidence suggests that Wan-Bissaka and Maguire are absolutely going to be first-teamers. They look every inch the United player. They're, they've got what we need, the hunger, the commitment. Both look great. I think James would be a great impact player. We have to expect that there'll be an adjustment time. You know, After all, he hasn't even had that many games in the Championship, so I think it's going to be a long, tough couple of years for, da uh, for Dan James. But he'll get there. He's got a lot of natural ability. When it comes to the wider window in terms of what else could we have done, what else could we need, uh, for me, I do feel that we missed a trick by not going for a midfielder because uh, I think we lack someone that can control the tempo of a game. I think Matic, his legs appear to have gone. I'm not convinced that he's going to be much of a force anymore at Premier League level. So I'd have loved to have seen um, a younger uh, player into, into that position. But someone who's ready to challenge for that first team slot I'll be honest, I wasn't convinced with half the links I was reading about. Uh, I mean, you, you talk about Fernandez. You know, 
I have a real feeling around this that this is this is Fernandez's agent trying to almost invite bids from Europe's elite because look, we are halfway through August and the guy is still in Portugal. You know, no one appears to have reached any form of agreement with him. Um, from what I understand, the kind of fee they're looking at for him is north of 60 million. Um, is he worth it? You know, the, remember, this is a guy who's already been to Italy earlier in his career and failed. And the Portuguese league isn't always the best measure of quality. You know, ask any Liverpool fan around about Raul Morelish. Um, yeah, so I'm not, not convinced with the Bruno Fernandes piece. I do believe Oli genuinely was interested in Sean Longstaff. Um, you know, I, I think it has been fairly widely reported, but um, uh, Michael Carrick's brother is actually one of his coaches and would have had given Michael Carrick the real inside track on this player. And from the few bits I saw of him last season and appreciates, he only made nine Premier League appearances. He really looked like a player that had a lot about him. The guy can pass. He's got a physical presence. He's got great stamina. He had pace. Um, he scored a good goal in the Premier League. He, he looks like he's got a bit of everything. And so I, I genuinely believe we were trying to get in early with that player and try and snap him up before the value rises too much. Clearly, Newcastle weren't having any of it and put a very prohibitive price on him. But I do five million pounds, wasn't it, or forty or something? Well, I mean, I, I near a fifty by the end of the window, but. Again, I, I sense with a lot of these players, and, and, and him in particular, let's see how Newcastle are feeling uh, in January if they're in a relegation dogfight and they need funds. Mm. Because it, it's easy to act tough before the season starts. They know that United potentially can fund a fee. They saw how Palace and Leicester held out on us until they got the kind of money they wanted for Maguire and Wambasaka. Uh, and I feel that, you know, the transfer window is tough enough with the way fees are inflated right now. When you're united, add another 20, 30% united tax onto that. Yeah. Um, so it does feel like the club has learned maybe from some of its lessons um, that in some respects we're still paying for, you know, look at the wages that Sanchez is picking up for um, the minutes. Criminal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think with regard to shifting players, Again, I think we have the same problem here. You know, we have players on some fantastic contracts. We're widely acknowledged as being one of the most commercially successful football teams on the planet. Who's going to want to pay a full fee to United? They, but, they know full well that some of these players will end up having contracts ripped up. Um, I'm pretty sure right now that if anyone came in for Sanchez, any European club comes in for him between now and the end of August, they'll be offered the deal of the century to take him off our hands. Got- a shambolic track record selling players. Absolutely shambolic. Look at all the players that have gone for us for a loss. You know, I think Nani went to Fenerbahce at, I think, how old was he? 2015. He must have been, he, he couldn't have been more than, more, more than sort of 26, 27. He went for three, four million pounds. Raphael went for it for barely anything. Johnny Evans went for barely anything. Javier Hernandez went for seven million pounds. United's record with selling players is abysmal. And I wonder, Ed Woodward and Richard Arnold are these, these you know, sort of, you know, very, very powerful, good, good businessmen. Mm-hmm. They make a lot of money for the club, granted. 
Why are they struggling to sell players? I think the best deal they've gotten in recent years, and I was speaking to an Evertonian the other day, was Morgan Schneiderlin. They've got £24 million pounds of Morgan Schneiderlin, and he's an absolute shambles at Everton. You know, they can't stand him there as well because he's just very, very lazy. Um, you know, even Memphis Depay, I think Leon only paid something like 12 or £13 million pounds for him. So when it comes to Sanchez, them, them doing poor business, you know, look at under Herrera. They could have got a fee for him. You know, the, the, if you listen to Herrera, what he said after leaving United and go, going to PSG about the whole issue last season with his contract, obviously United are famous because they love putting that option to extend. Mm. You know, hold, hold yeah. them to extend the contract. Uh, and they, they apparently told him with like four days to go. They hadn't spoken to him about a contract at all and told him with four days to go. And when you think about that, yet they're dishing out free, uh, you know, contracts to, to, to Smalling and Jones so that they won't leave on a free and that they'll get a fee for him. I just, I just don't really understand where we are. I really don't understand where we are. With Sanchez, you know, I think he's got Fernando Torres syndrome. You know, he's gone for like a massive move. He slot places with Mkhitaryan, who by all accounts isn't great at Arsenal either. Um, and, and you know, it's just been one of those struggles. I don't know whether he's going to go. Apparently, Roma are interested. But to be honest, who will take him right now? Who would take Alexis Sanchez? I agree. Someone's going to have to take a punt. Um because Alexi Sanchez's issues are well documented. You know, the, the guy has barely got the fitness to play 90 minutes on a week-in, week-out basis. He only seems to last two or three matches before he's broken down with another injury, whether that's for United or whether that's playing for his national team. So no one in their right mind is going to want to pay a six-figure weekly wage to this guy. So United are going to have to heavily subsidise that. I think part of the issue in shifting these players, quite simply, is just supply and demand. You know, where were the clubs queuing up to buy Nanny when United, you know, he was on the market for the best part of a year and the only club that comes in for him is Fenerbahce. Um, so I think sometimes it's easy to perhaps look at other clubs and I know we look at the likes of um, Chelsea for the kind of fees they get and Liverpool for the kind of fees it they get. Me, though. It pains me to say, Liverpool do stupidly good business stupidly good business. How they got £20 million of Dominic Solanke? I think he scored one Premier League goal in his career. One goal as a centre-forward. I just... I, I don't get how they do this business. You know, they sell players for, for, for fabulous money. And, and it's just like us, we seem to be embarrassed all the time. Yeah, I, genuinely though, I, I can't put all the blame at the door of... Woodward and Judge. I, I look at some of the players that are, that, that are coming available. You look at, let's take Solanke as an example, and I think they're good, they got good money for Jordan Ibe as well when he went to um, yeah. Bournemouth. They're young players. They have potential to get better. You know, who, who on earth thought Nani would get better when he left United? Who in their right mind thinks Sanchez is going to be any better than he is today? And as for Darmian, well, I didn't see anyone queuing up to sign him when we went for him. Why would anybody be looking to sign him now? I, I think they fully expect United to absolutely gift wrap him, which ultimately we probably will end up doing between now and the end of August. Twenty. All right, fine. You, you're saying that about, you know, Ivan, Ivan Solanke. £20 million for Danny Ings, who's got knees made of paper. And, mm -hmm. and, and £7 million for Mignolet isn't bad business. Now, I, I hate praising Scousers. But I've got to say, as as far as they go, Michael Edwards, who heads up their sort of recruitment team and their, their transfers team, has done very, very well. Don't get me wrong, they've signed no one this year. But 
you know, they've done very, very well to shift players. Um, you know, looking at the numbers we've got in that squad, though, seven centre-halves, and a lot of people, you know, who, who want to sit and chat football with me have asked me, why is Jones still there? Why is Smalling still there? By Why is uh, um, Rojo still there? And the fact of the matter is, no one will sign Rojo. He's too injury prone. No one will sign Jones. One, because he's rubbish. And two, because he's injury prone. And Smalling, they won't sell because he actually stays fit. And, and you know, don't get me wrong. He's not great. But until they can fold someone in, they can't get rid of him. You know, Damian is genuinely becoming a bit of a bit of an enigma. I don't, I don't understand what this guy does. I, you know, he's played barely any football for United on a whole. You know, he and, and when he has, he's never really sort of set the place alight. I think it's five seasons and 90-odd games um, for Matteo Damian. But I just, I don't get it. W- what does he do? You know, are they, they, they his contract expires next year. Release him now. Let him go now. Apparently, um, there's an Italian club in from now. Apparently, United blocked a move to Juventus last year for some reason. I don't get it. Yeah, no, I... I agree with you, and, and this perhaps is where the uh, the uh, the much vaunted uh, director of football could come in, whoever that may be. Of course, when once Mr. Woodward gets around to appointing that person, but um, yeah, there are so there is so much in the way of dead wood. You know, we're carrying two centre backs too many. You know, the club would barely blink if uh, Rojo and Jones were no longer at the club. Rojo, Jones, and Damian between those three, you could probably free, free up something in the region of £200,000 plus per week in wages. Um, that, that's a significant amount. That's £10 million a year that we are paying out for three players who will be lucky to make an appearance between them by Christmas. Yeah, no, it's, it's baffling. It really, really is. I mean, I think everyone's concerned that no one's gone effectively. You know, you look at Fellaini, he went in, in, in January, Herrera went in this window. I'm not sure who's going to go in, in this international window. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would like to see the backs of Rojo. I mean, Rojo rejecting a deal to go to Everton. I don't know how far you, you sort of track deadline day, but I saw him in the car going from Carrington to Everton's Finch Farm training complex, and he looked really miserable. <laughs> really, really miserable. <laughs> and I just thought maybe he's maybe he's he's sort of thinking I've got to get out of this, and apparently he rejected the move. Uh, yeah, I mean nothing surprises me. Um, you don't know what his agent is whispering to him in his ear. I'd be interested to see whether any of the anyone makes a move for any of these players. Obviously, while the European window is still open, and maybe he thinks he can get a better move uh, into Europe. Fine by me. If anyone wants to take him, that would be um, fantastic, frankly. Um, I do think, though, um, you know, we, we talked earlier about Ollie's uh, team selection and his bench selection. I, I think Ollie's sending a message out to a lot of these players uh, where we are relying, um, if it still exists, on that professional pride. Does Phil Jones want to play football anymore? Because if he does, he might have to seriously get his agent to pick up the phone and find a club for him. Likewise, Rocco. Likewise, Damian. Sadly, the evidence on someone like Damian is he clearly doesn't want to play. He's had all of last season where, by all, um, you know, by everything we hear, he could have easily had a move. But for whatever reason, whether it's the club not agreeing a fee or him not being willing, 
he hasn't made that move. Um, again, I don't think we help ourselves with some of the contracts these guys are on. You know, I believe Rojo's on something, Damian's on something in the region of between 60 and 80k a week, which for a fourth choice right back is stunning. Did you put that into context? Fourth choice right back. And I think the days are gone where Everton uh, buy all our crap as well. Um, where, where we used to have our car boot sale, that's what Goodison. It's done. It's game over. It's game over. Uh, let's look ahead to the game on Monday night. Of course, in about exactly a week's time, we'll be sitting and, and sort of just um, looking back over the events. Uh, uh, Molyneux United uh, taking on Wolverhampton Wanderers and Nuno Espirito Santo. Uh, last season, we lost there twice in two weeks. First in the FA Cup and then in the league. Scott McTominay uh, scoring for United as we lost 2-1 in the league and Marcus Rashford in the 95th minute in the FA Cup. I'll be straight with you. I'll level with you. Um, the Wolves game scares me more than the Chelsea game. Absolutely. I think Wolves are a well-drilled side, real physical threat, really well organised and they have got a horrible system to play against with the way they push their fullbacks right up They've got midfielders that can pass, that can tackle, and they've got a real physical presence up front as well. They play two out-and-out forwards. Mm. Uh, you're right. I think this will be a far more challenging game than Sunday. Um, this will be a really good test for some of these young players to see how they find playing in a in a, in a more intimidating type of environment um, against a side that was was relentless in the games against us. Having said that, if you saw their game against Leicester at the weekend, um, again, they huffed and puffed, but they didn't really seem to have the same spark as they had last year. Um, they've also had a couple of Europa games already this season, so I don't know if they were feeling their legs a bit because they played Thursday night, Sunday night, which often is a challenge. Um, I'm really looking forward to it, though, um, and I do hope and believe that the way United are setting up um, the defence looks so much more solid, so I do believe that having Maguire in there can deal with that physical threat. And I just hope that we can really begin to cultivate that reputation as being a great counter-attack side because the way in which we played on Sunday would be perfect for an away match in terms of sitting deep, using the absolute pace we have on the break to try and catch them out. Because, you know... Whilst I think they are a good, well-organised side, I'm not so sure that they can cope with that kind of pace at the back. I wonder, I mean, they play, they play sort of a five at the back with the two wing-backs. Doherty, who I really, really like. I really like Matt Doherty. Really good right full-back. And Johnny Otto on the left as well. Bennett, Cody and, and Bolly, who seems to be like this absolute tank at the back. Um, so they'll play the five at the back and then and then sort of build from there with Dendonka, Neves, and uh, and Moutinho. Um, I think there's a lot of quality in that side. I really think there's a lot of quality in that side. Whether the Europa League sort of drains it out of them, I'm not sure. Um, they are playing in the Europa League this Thursday against Punic. I I, I don't know where Punic are from. Uh, let's let's just have a look. Punic are from Armenia. So um, yeah, they're they're four nil up already. So I wonder how many players they're going to rest. But then again, in terms of their squad, they, they haven't got the deepest of squads. They let go of Ivan Cavaliera. He's gone to Fulham. Helder Costa's gone to Leeds United. Rafa Mir to, to Forrest and um, Brighton Abacaro to, to Wigan. So they've let go of quite a few players in the midfield and attacking departments. 
um, you just wonder how they're gonna how they're gonna sort of balance their squad. But a really good team, um, and 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 I expect quite a bit from them this uh, this season. I just hope uh, I hope they don't pick up their first one the season against us. Oh, absolutely! It's going to be a tough game. Um, I'm sure United would probably take a draw at this stage, but you know, let's be positive here. You know, we, we've just smashed Chelsea four 0 at home. You know, we shouldn't be going in fearing the likes of Wolves. I think if we can keep that composure at the back, we should be able to ask enough questions. My fear, uh, and it is for any of these sorts of away games, is what kind of Paul Pogba is going to turn up on Monday? Yeah. Is it going to be Pogba that wants to dominate, that wants to surge through midfield, that wants to create? Or is it going to be the petulant Pogba that's going to be looking for free kicks every time Moutinho comes near him? That's going to be banging his fists on the ground, trying to do Cruyff turns in the centre circle and his flicks and tricks, you know, really can't afford that. He can't afford to give away the ball with those kind of guys around. I just hope he learns and I hope he takes on board uh, what I'm sure the likes of Michael Carrick will be telling him as to how to play in a game like that. Yes, indeed. Nav, it's been absolutely brilliant. Let's have a prediction for uh, next Monday's game. It's an 8 o'clock kickoff. It's Ford Monday Night Football. Is it still sponsored by Ford Monday Night Football? Uh, you know what? I, I don't think it is Ford Monday Night Football anymore. Do you remember uh, the day it used, to be, it used to be Ford Monday Night Football right back in the, day, in the mid-90s? Yes, absolutely. Crazy. Made its name Monday Night Football. There you go. You know what? I think they actually just brand it as MNF, you know, now Monday Night Football. But that's uh, crazy, isn't it? It's just, it's just gentrification of it, really. That's that's exactly what it is. Gentrification of Monday Night Football. Prediction from me. I'm going to go two-one United. Yeah. I'm going to go for Pogba. Yeah. And Rashford to continue his run. Ooh, that is a good good prediction. I am feeling. 2-1 United, but I'm feeling Martial to score. I just have a feeling that him playing as number nine, him getting his shirt back, which we didn't actually talk about, but you know, him getting that shirt back, and you never know, we might we might see the best of Anthony Martial again. Um, but I think he's gonna score. I really, really have a good feeling. Fantastic. There you go. Brilliant. Thank you uh for joining us. Of course, we appreciate any tweets um and, and just questions, comments, whatever. Uh we are at United Redcast, UNITED Redcast on Twitter. Give us a shout and we'll be back next week. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at unitedredcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.